All right, Black Box Radio. We have Kevin C. Moore today. It's 42220. Say hi to the people. Hi to the people. <laughs> how y'all doing? Listen, tell the people what you do professionally, then we're going to unpack how that's been affected. All right. Well, I am a campaign operative. I actually am a campaign manager for one of the campaigns for mayor in the city of Baltimore. Um, and yeah, actually, the Sheila Dixon. Um, so, um, Baltimore legend, um, one of the best mayors that Baltimore's ever had, a beautiful person, a beautiful leader, um, an all around inspiration. I could go on and on about my boss, but, um, most of you all know her, but, um, I'm just glad to be able to, um, be able to experience working with her. She's amazing. Mm, beautiful. Okay. So of course we're in COVID-19 and you're a campaign manager. And they have not said we're not voting. And that does not end in a pandemic. They are having, um, we're going to vote for this mayor, for the next mayor of Baltimore City. Um, They did move back the primary from April. And now it's June 2nd. Am I clear? And so um, this this is a different type of campaigning because it's... (laughs) You cannot actually access people like you would usually do. You can't have these big rallies. You know, you can't do the things that, so you have to be very creative. So how has it affect you guys in this process, Miss uh, um, Dixon becoming mayor? Well, I first want to say that um, with a campaign, your goal should be to affect the people that you're trying to um, win the votes of. So it's not about voting. It's not about um, being able to meet people. It's about um, affecting change. So if the only way, if you only know one way to affect change, then you need to stop what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So um, it was um, a little bit of a transition from our original strategy, but we have been able to, number one, focus on making sure everyone is healthy um, and that we're asking people simple questions like, how are you doing? Um, leading with empathy because that's going to be um, what sustains us throughout all of this. So um, that should be the focus of our campaign. So as a leader, it was important for me to, as we transition strategies, to make sure that that was at the bedrock of everything that we did. So um, we have been able to kind of shift our strategy, still be able to affect the change that we spoke about um, and effectively um, make contact with voters that is meaningful, that is transformative and that will um, affect the future of Baltimore. Okay. And as a campaign manager and the process of voting changes also, and what is your decision on like everything will be mailing? Do you, do you think that hampers the, uh, the vote or is that something that you guys are concerned about because it's something new? Well, it's not new. Mail-in voting is there, but I mean, t- to be all, you know, not actually go out and vote. Everybody has to mail in their, their ballot. How do you feel about that? Um, it is new to the city of Baltimore and the state of Maryland in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Um, but our focus is making sure that everybody has the access to be able to vote um, mm-hmm. because with when you add steps and when you add barriers and when you add a lot of confusion, um, it could lead to people being apathetic. So we want to make sure that um, access is the foundation of everything that we do. Everybody understands the process, making sure that you know they have the tools necessary to be able to cast their vote, um, because it's an important election not just for the mayor but for um, 
a number of things, whether it's city mm-hmm. council president, your council candidate, the president. Um, so it's not just about us. It's about democracy as a whole and making sure that it's healthy um, and safe for um, us to vote, um, as well as us promoting a healthy and safe um, democracy. That's true. That's true. So, you know, I've heard candidates say they're kind of concerned about the mail-in. And so I was wondering. I mean, yeah, it's uncharted territory. But like I said, we have to be creative and we have to, um, you know, I get that mail-in votes will affect, you know, everything that we have going on and it'll affect the strategy. But it is Mm -hmm. the new reality that we have to face. So because of that, we have to adjust. And like I said, your your goal, overall goal shouldn't change. It's just your method. So um, that's what we were made, were making sure that we did to just make sure that we still had some of the, the things we set out to do in the city of Baltimore are still those same things. But um, mail-in ain't going to stop nothing. <laughs> <laughs> ain't going to stop the process. Eh? It sure isn't. I mean, because the mail-in voting is not new to voting. It's just new for, to be the only way that you vote you know what i mean yeah you know, oregon as a as a state has been mail-in voting for like 20 years you know but they they've been doing it over and over i mean this is new for most states exactly mm-hmm. and with the newness comes like a learning curve um, sure. for both campaigns and for people so um education and making sure the state puts resources into educating people on how this process will go um the the Congressional District 7 race is going to be um, very telling about, you know, what people think of the mail-in, how they're able to go about that process. Um, So we will be watching that very closely just to make sure that, you know, people understand what the process is all about. Mm. Yep. I'm tired. COVID-19 has changed every, I mean, I don't know. Overnight. It overnight. changed everything I mean, overnight. I mean, we're doing the same, but, but yeah. sleeping in our own bed. I don't know. I try to find out the same stuff I've been doing like two, three months ago, Brother Kevin. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's nothing. It's almost like a, I have a whole new life and I never <laughs> even know what's happening. I'm serious. <laughs> even, to, you know, everything we do. I worked out today in a mask and gloves. Yeah. I mean, everything has, it's just, it's just amazing, but that's where we are and you, we have to adjust. Life is about adjustments Um, and we're continuing to adjust and here we go again. We're into it. It's almost like we're in a, um, a virtual society. We're moving towards all virtual. Yeah. I mean, it can be cool in a lot of ways. I think that um, a lot of different ideas are being birthed out Mm -hmm. of a time like this. A lot of like digital things, cool digital things are popping up. So I think that, you know, the goal isn't to go back to normal anyway. So <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see where this process takes us. Um, but of course, there's a lot of devastation and tragedy um, that goes along with what's going on as well. So we would be remiss if we didn't talk about like, yeah, there's a lot of change in the everyday lives, but there's also a lot of like trauma and tragedy associated with this time. So um, like I said, the goal isn't, go, isn't to go back to normal. The goal is to kind of figure out um, what it is we need to purge and what the lesson is that we need to learn out of all of this. Well, you said one thing, because there's a lot of people protest- protesting to go back to normal, bro. 
Well, they can have it. <laughs> I want to be safe and I want to make sure everybody else is safe. out here talking about normal, normal, normal. So I was just wondering, like, you know, because a lot of people said there's no more normal, but these folks are fighting to come out the house right now. Yeah, so, no. uh, um, I don't think that's smart. What do you think about that around the country? Um, I think uh, politicians should be responsible. I think mm. that um, there is a lot of responsibility associated with um, governing. And they are rely. People are relying on you to actually um, make rules to keep them safe, make rules to keep order, make rules to um, kind of present um, a society that works for them. So um, people who are not cognizant of what that means for everybody and um, only focused on maybe the economics or you know what it would look like to have people you know go back to work for the health of the economy, I think that we should prioritize humanity over everything. So um, I, you know, my personal politics aren't really what I'm on here to talk about, but I think that responsibility is um, an incredible thing that um, people put upon politicians and people like myself who are campaign operatives and political operatives to um, make smart decisions in order to present a better world to them. So. That's what I think about that. You're right, because leadership has a lot to do with what we're seeing. Um, If we had correct messaging, we had a federal government that was responsive. And some of these, it's a lack of a great word, these dumbass governors. I hate to say it. Right. If we had real leadership and people who really cared about people more than dollars, because this economic mantra that I keep hearing has... Economics is nothing if people don't move move the money. I hate to tell you. Yeah. You can talk about economics all day long, but if there's no people to drive the engine, there's no economy. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you can you can open every store you want, but if everybody's dead, who's gonna buy? Exactly. It makes no sense. I mean, I just don't know what they're thinking. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can you can wanna be um this forward thinker all you want, but biology will walk you down. Let's be clear. Science, um, science. Not believing in science. Oh, my God. Biology yeah. and science will walk you down every time. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's where we are now. We have these people who are using their gut, and gut has nothing to do. They, these guys are like Trump talking about his gut and, they, and how they feel, but feelings have nothing to do with what's actually happening. And what The science. feelings he should be worried about are the feelings of the people that he is governing and Absolutely. how they feel when their loved ones get sick, how they feel when they have mental health issues that are exacerbated by the trauma that this is causing. You should be worried about those feelings. Yep. And and you're right. Not his own personal feelings. Exactly. <laughs> because he's a servant of the people, but that's not his movement. And it's definitely, we can see that's not his movement. But anyway, so let's talk about you personally, um, because we see what you do and you guys have um, definitely um, change your campaigning strategy. You're very active in Baltimore City and that that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, how's your headspace? Um, because we hear that accent, uh, <laughs> not from Baltimore, <laughs> and that's fine. But um, how is your headspace and your family? I mean, how are you dealing with that and not being an actual Baltimorean and being away from your actual family? Um, well, my family is in Tennessee. So okay. um, that's about, what, six, you know, 12 hours, 13 hours away, depends on who's driving. Sure. Um, and. Personally, you know, 
when I'm doing what I'm doing now, you have to remain focused. So um, I'm on a very strict focus regimen to where, you know, I limit the TV that I watch. I limit the radio that I listen to just because I want to make sure that I'm actually in the moment and being um, of best service to my candidate and to the campaign and to the people of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. So um, that has, you know, there's been some restructuring around mentally how I'm able to cope with like actually living through a tragedy like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like people will say, because it sounds good, you know, I want to be optimistic. I want to look on the bright side, but there is a lot of, um, tragedy and like uncertainty associated with this time and so um you have to let yourself feel that you have to let yourself um actually grasp the reality of everything that's going on making sure that you're actually clinging to what it is that is going to keep you safe during Mm -hmm. a time like this so um it's been it's been a very personal journey for me i think um spending time alone if you know yourself, it is um, a better time <laughs> because I can say probably maybe seven to eight years ago, this mm-hmm. time would have been very different for me <laughs> to mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I personally know what I need to do to make myself feel better. I personally know when I need to go out and take a walk. I personally know um, when I'm able to kind of deal with stress, when I need to do something else to deal with stress. So that has been helpful. Um, having that personal journey. And then okay. I'm thinking about um, the Stevie Wonder song, um, Love is in Need of Love Today. So that is on his Songs in the Key of Life album. And I came across it um, the other day, just listening to music to while I'm doing my work. Mm-hmm. And um, it just made me think of this time. Um, if you think of the lyrics, love is in need of love today. Um, we always kind of look at love as that thing that's always there, that thing we have to like seek out, we have to find, but it's like, it's this entity that exists on its own and we don't really have to pour into it. Um, but I look at that as what the earth is in this situation. It's like, what does it mean to just stop and give, you know, reverence to some of the things that we take for granted, like breathing, like mm. actually, um, interacting with our friends actually interacting with our families what if that was like what if there was an actual extra step that we needed to do um in order to engage in those things what if we needed to pour in something in order to get that out of life so um i'm choosing to look at it that way um because you know some of the things that i took for granted like even though my mom lives 16 hours away 12 hours away um, I could always, you know, call her and kind of trust that she's okay. Um, but now I actually have to, you know, brace myself. And my mom is over 50. So I have to like, your mom, did you go anywhere today? Did you do anything? Did you check on grandma? How is daddy doing? Like all of those things are important um, anyway, but they're heightened now because of what's going on but they should be on that level at all times so that's what i'm looking at and um kind of reevaluating my relationships reevaluating um how i took for granted being able to go to my favorite restaurant or um just call my friends 
go out to eat, those types of things. So um, that's how I'm choosing to look at it. Hmm, that's a way to look at it because my mother lives in South Carolina. And I told her, when you get up in the morning, you call me even before you talk to Jesus. Right. Because I need to know. Because I need to hear that voice. So <laughs> if I got to send somebody, you know what I'm saying, bro? Yeah. I send somebody over there or we got to get you somewhere. You call yeah. me. And we used to talk maybe two, three times, four times a week, but it's every day. Yeah. And I need to hear her voice. And sometimes I call her twice a day because I just want to make sure my mother's 80. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure, I mean, she's very active. She's doing very well, but I want to always hear that voice. And so I get what you're saying. Yeah. And it's not necessarily because I'm afraid she's going to get sick or anything like that. It's just because mm-hmm. I've taken that for granted. And it's mm-hmm. so many people that don't have that opportunity anymore because That's- of what's going on. And it's like, you're not going to catch me not being appreciative for the things that I love in my life. So, um, yeah, this definitely woke me up in that aspect. And even people losing their parents. And this is a lonely time. I can tell you a story. I mean, people losing their parents and, and with, to this virus and it's lonely. They can't visit them. You know, um, funerals are effective because you can only have a certain amount of people. It's, it's just a we have it's changed a lot and it's just something that um, I'm so glad we we're able to talk about um, and, and be able to kind of digest this sometimes together because it's baffling in a lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good to have other people around so you can kind of talk about it. I mean, because your head sometimes can come after you. Like you can't go nowhere. You got to watch what you eat, <laughs> watch where you walk. I mean, you got to watch who you visit. You can't touch anybody. It's a lot. I think that's the, that's the, you know, frustrating piece about it. Um, it's just like, you know how you can feel like when there's an ant on you and you feel ants like crawling all over you, but it's really not. It's like when I'm touching something without a glove or, you know, I feel like, oh my God, I got to go wash my hands. I got to do this. I got to do that. So that's the kind of thing that is kind of like, okay, I'm ready for this to be over because I just want to like, touch something without actually having to not freak out about it. So absolutely. You just want to be able to walk in the room with your, yeah. with your regular <laughs> like, face, your regular clothes and say hi. And hug right. Exactly. <laughs> Cause human connection has changed. Yeah. You know, my family member came in today and we couldn't hug. I couldn't do anything. I could just only, we touch feet. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even do that <laughs> it's crazy but we just kick feet I mean you yeah. can't, people don't even want to touch elbows it's serious yeah. about cheer yeah you know, so but I mean that's the climate we're in and it won't be forever but um this is definitely a living and humbling experience for humans if you live in this experience if you don't change something doesn't change in you you a hard rock I'm telling I agree you. I agree you have to. Something <laughs> has to change in you, <laughs> you in are, order to survive. Yeah. Yes, you are a rock of Gibraltar. Yeah. So if you cannot change after COVID nineteen, it is a game changer for yeah. sure, for sure. So we're in part of the interview where we do the last one in testament, and we definitely want to hear a jewel from you. Leave something ins- inspirational for the people, please. Lay it down. <sighs> something inspirational for the people. Um, yes. Leave that jewel. Um, well, I think that, um, one of my life principles is to just be a visionary, Mm. just go, just go forth with, um, the idea, whether there's a a path laid or whether there's not, um, there's a quote that I kind of built 
my my vision of vision being a visionary around and that is from Henry Ford. Now I wasn't there. I don't know if he really said it, but I choose to believe that he said it. Um if I had asked them what they what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So Henry Ford is the inventor of the automobile. And um, he just kind of pulled something out of thin air to kind of shape the rest of the world for generations to come. And I think that um, there's that power within everybody. Um, when you find your thing, just go forth, be a visionary, break down, break down those doors, um, clear those paths for the people that need to come behind you. Um, always have your North Star. Figure out what that North Star is. For me, mine is Shirley Chisholm. Mm. Um, and I will tell anybody, my actual, um, my internet at my house is named Shirley Chisholm. <laughs> so if you come over my house, that's my internet. That's my Wi-Fi. Um, mm. So I try to incorporate um, kind of the things that I learned from studying her into all of the things that I do because she was a visionary. and. Um, I want to make sure that the work that I'm doing leaves a legacy. The work that I'm doing is innovative um, and kind of disrupting the status quo and taking a new approach. Um, not because you just want to be different, but because it's necessary and because um, you want to make, make sure that the path for the people that come behind you is a little bit easier than what you had. Mm, awesome. Awesome. Jake. Thank you so much, Kevin, for those wonderful insights, that wonderful word of inspiration, as well as your perspective on all the different ways that this uh, event is affecting us both personally in our relationships and in um, globally in the way that we pick leadership for for our cities and our country. So I really appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective with us. Well, I appreciate you all asking me to do this. Really appreciate that. So if you're listening right now and you would like to hear more voices from the Rona Report, you can find them all at blackboxradio.com. That's B-L-A-K-B-O-X-X-R-A-D-I-O.com. You can also find Black Box Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Black Box and on Twitter at Box Black. So make sure that if you are hearing this conversation that you are if you're hearing this conversation that you're sharing it with your friends and family, because when we put this on our on the platforms out there, it gets suppressed. So we need to help with the community to help get these voices out into the world so they can be heard. Yes, sir. Well, this is the Rona Report and we had Kevin Seymour. Kevin, thank you for your perspective. As G said, we really appreciate it. Amazing. Hey. Thank you for having me. And I want to just encourage everybody to vote in the upcoming election. Um, learn more about our campaign at DixonForBaltimore.com um, on all of the Facebook or social media platforms. Sheila Dixon for Baltimore, Sheila Dixon Vault on Twitter. So um, I really appreciate this opportunity. Listen, this is the Rona Report. It is 42220. You're with Black Box Radio and we're out. Peace. <laughs>